I used to um, lay my problems at the cross uh-huh. and say and leave it there. And then I'd run back and grab them and chew on them. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and then I'd lay it at the cross and I'd say, Lord, you know, you've got to help me with this because I can't do it. As a human, I can't do it, but I need your spirit to help me. And again, it's practice. It's just practice in trusting and loving what God and Christ has, has given us. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today was the oldest girl in a family of 11 children and has always had an amazing imagination. In addition to being a wife and a mother, she spent her career as an educator. After retirement, she became a caregiver to her husband who was going blind, which led to a new adventure full of trials, love, and joy. She is the author of the book Scaredy and lives in Florida where her days are full of volunteering at church, creating jewelry as an amateur silversmith, and of course, writing. I am pleased to present Sharon Leno. Sharon, are you ready to share your story of hope? I sure am. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I really am. And I I just have a question. How in the world did you become an amateur silversmith? That just sounds so fascinating to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, when my husband was going blind and uh, we became limited in our social activities, I didn't want to leave him alone a lot because when I did, he would sleep. So Mm. we were together a lot. But I'm the kind of person that I just can't sit still. I need to have something to do with my hands. And so I um, first started um, learning how to bead through a class with Mary. She was my instructor. And uh, since then, she has passed away. But she was a jeweler that um, had many talents. And one of them was torching silver and making a jewelry and so she taught me with a group and then she taught me alone she tutored me for a couple of years and 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 it's since then it's been god and i creating these pieces because sometimes i look at them and i go thank you god i don't know how that was created but i'm sure it was his help Well, we do need his help as we create. I think I think when we tap into that inner creativity, it it kind of attaches us to God because he is the great creator, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And he's the great artist. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, that is so cool. I thought we'd dive a little bit into your story today and have you tell us a little bit about how retirement didn't go as planned for you. I know you spent years as as an educator, but once you retired, you and your husband wanted to spend your time volunteering and kind of take me to that point in your life where things started to change. Okay. Well, we did enjoy our retirement very, very much. 
and we searched a state. We went to Arizona and Florida, and then we finally ended up in Texas. And um, in this community of retirees, I was one of the younger ones. And mm -hmm. I thought, I don't know if I'm ready to retire or not. <laughs> and so, but my husband who loved to build, he always said that uh, his work was a love and that work wasn't work unless you'd rather be doing something else. And he, so he got involved with Habitat and started building homes with a um, Catholic priest and a Baptist minister. So that left me with a great deal of time to figure out what I wanted to do. And so eventually I joined reading groups. I there were two groups that I joined. One was brutal. I mean, my first writings, they just were bloody. They <laughs> were a mess. But a author um, took me under her wing and she tutored me and, and taught me how to write and edit. And, and it was just the beginning. So I kept going on with that. And then my husband started losing his sight. And so we went to many doctors, many clinics, and we were told that he had uncontroll, uncontrollable glaucoma. Well, we finally went to a glaucoma clinic in Texas and the doctor there was um, very blunt and said, you will be going blind, at which we didn't realize. I mean, I guess we just didn't hear it until this doctor told us. Mm. So we just sat there <laughs> and later cried. Anyway, he, he apologized because he said that his wife was dying and he should not be practicing and he would not be following well. Mm. So eventually we decided to come to Florida and we found a wonderful doctor in Tampa, a specialist at the university who kept Will's eyesight going um, through shots, through surgeries, through, I mean, there, we had medications that we had to chart. He had so many eye drops that he had to take, but he was always active and, and the glaucoma was slow in, in creating this blindness. And um, during this time, of course, I could not concentrate on writing. So yeah. I put my writing all the way. And what we did is um, start to investigate what we could do so that when Will went completely blind, it would not be such a shock. And uh, Florida had what they called lighthouses for the blind. And he went there and um, learned to eat, learned to dress himself. We also got a leader dog for him called Lily. And uh, Lily became part of our family. And when she was working, she was Will's dog. But mm -hmm. when she was off the leash, she was a family dog. And she was such a treasure to both of us. The Lord really uh, gave us grace. He gave us peace. He gave us hope. And, and he gave us joy. My husband, he was really not the kind to go gently into that night. <laughs> <laughs> but with God's help, 
he really was able to do that. In fact, a lot of people, when they were talking to him, Lily would go under the table, whether we were in a restaurant or a doctor's office, and they wouldn't know that he was blind until the dog came out. I can remember one time when we were at um, Moffitt's Hospital in Tampa, and the dog went under the desk. <laughs> then the doctor came in and sat down, and he goes, whoa, there's a dog under my desk. <laughs> it was such a shock to him that Will was blind because he had talked to Will before he had gotten his dog. But the one verse that we clung to was Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. Wow. So we really had a wonderful life together. But um, as a caregiver, I think it's really important for people to be good to themselves. Mm. I learned that that um, it's like you have a basket full of eggs mm -hmm. and you give one egg to your husband for this and another one for that and another one to the church, another one to your children. And pretty soon your basket is empty and you're tired and mm. you have nothing to renew yourself with. Mm -hmm. And so um, I made sure that I was good to myself, whether it was shopping mm -hmm. or forgiving myself for making mistakes or just taking time to be alone, mm -hmm. going out with a friend. Because if you don't, then your spirit becomes tired yes. and, and, and um, just sorrowful. I have a friend that is going through that now. She's just exhausted. And you need to renew yourself and your mm -hmm. spirit. Yeah. What were some of the key things that you did that helped you renew yourself on a, a daily basis or a weekly basis? What, what did that look like specifically for you? Well, when I had to sit with Will, what we did was um, he loved gadgets. And so I had to learn to become very computer literate. Uh -huh. And um, we had a special machine that we could get audio talking books because oh. Amazon would not allow us to use at that time. And this was years ago, mm -hmm. their audio books um, on this machine. So when we listened to the stories, he would come out into the garage and I would work on my jewelry. Mm. And to me, that was uplifting. There were other times when I would be in prayer alone. I, I was a person that needed a certain amount of alone time. Yes. So I would go out on our porch. We lived by a river. And I would read and I would pray. The other things, I, I would shop. Now, I couldn't, after a while, take Will shopping with me. So I became the Amazon queen. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to learn to kind of modify the things that you did so that it fit with the current needs of your family. I sure did. And yeah. I did. And, but, but you can learn to do that and not resent it. I, mm. I never resented the time I had with Will. Do you think God helped you with that? Oh, yes. 
Yes. Because I can be a nervous Nelly. Mm -hmm. I can be um, filled with anger easily at times. Not anymore. I mean, God just took those things away because a verse that is very, that I live by then and now was in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, mm. about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart, your mind in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you, it takes practice. That does not come, boom, like magic. It mm -hmm. And it takes practice. And many times I would have failure, but that is what has really helped me. And I did. I had a lot of peace and I had a lot of joy. And we made a lot of, we had a lot of fun together, even in his blindness. Oh, that's beautiful. I'd love to just talk a little bit more about that because I think so many times there are a lot of us out there who struggle with anxiety. And I know I'm one of them. I have a child who struggles with it as well. And it sounds like you took that anxiety and, and followed the advice in those verses and, and kind of gave it to God. Is that what you did in your prayers? Is that how that, I mean, you said you became um, yeah. less anxious. So, so Talk me through that process of you learning to do that with Thanksgiving and all that stuff. Well, I used to um, lay my problems at the cross uh -huh. and say and leave it there. And then I'd run back and grab them and chew on them. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and then I'd lay it at the cross and I'd say, Lord, you know, you've got to help me with this because I can't do it. As a human, I can't do it, but I need your spirit to help me. And again, it's practice. It's just practice in trusting and loving what God and Christ has, has given us and believing. And again, it's not magic. God, I really feel, expects us to work and work and work at it. Mm -hmm. um, there are times when now, like when I go to the ranch, I'm not used to flying alone or traveling alone. Mm -hmm. And now I have transfer uh, planes. And um, I was, I thought, I can't do that. This is going to be awful. And then I just prayed about it. And God's peace really just covered me. And, and I just left it there. And I didn't chew on it. I left it at the mm. cross. And, and so, you know, I, at my age, I'm thinking, Lord, how come it took me so long? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, I totally understand that. And I, I, I feel that. And, and it's one of those things that I think we only learn through experience. I wish there was some other way to learn it, but I think it's only by dropping it at the cross picking it back up a little bit later and going, oh, wait, no, I need to leave this with him and learning how to do that, you know, yes. learning to trust him completely, uh, learning to give that anxiety to him, learning to let that peace descend on you and keep it and not go back and say, but, but I'm scared, you know, <laughs> Just right. trusting that peace that it's going to be okay. 
it's going to be okay, Sharon. It's going to be okay, Tamara. <laughs> you know? And you know, I think that's when our, our, our faith gets strengthened and that little mustard seed of strength and faith starts growing, but mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not easy. No. I mean, I'm not here to say it's easy at all. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Wow, that, that's a powerful principle. So principle number one here, give it to God yes. and, and let him keep it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's really, really good. Now, you talked earlier about a verse in Romans that became so key to you. So in that verse in Romans, you shared, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you can basically abound in hope by the power of the spirit of God. Um, and I've always been a super big fan of that verse, abounding in hope. I mean, this podcast is all about hope. But my question to you is, how did he help you find hope especially when the diagnosis was so grim about Will losing his sight. Because I know that initially, I mean, you talk about crying in the doctor's office, or maybe it was after you left the doctor's office. Yes. Take me from that complete grief and sorrow of, oh my goodness, our life is completely going to change to abounding in hope. Well, the, the thing is that we took the steps to make it easier for Will to be blind and for me, because if he's able to feed himself and dress himself, of course, that was easy for me. Um, Lily, at first, I, I thought, dog and all this hair, I was mm. vacuuming like crazy. But then after a while, it's like, you know what? She's our dog and there will be dog hair in here regardless. But mm -hmm. So you go through, you know, learning how to cope with the problem and coping, I think, maybe come first, but you have hope. Now, I'll tell you, we were at a um, McDonald's once on our way traveling to Florida and Lily was with us. And so we stopped for coffee and a fellow came over and said, and we started talking to him and he said, you know, our church is just down the road. Our minister performs wonderful miracles. You should stop in. Well, you know, we had hope. So we mm -hmm. stopped in and there was a group of men in the parking lot and they were all going hunting and the pastor was with him mm. and he prayed for Will, but Will did not um, receive a miracle of sight. But the miracle that Will received was peace um, because he, he was used to being active like myself and he learned um, to do other things. And so his hope, I think, came into realizing he would see in heaven. Mm. And that was both of our hopes. And our, our hope is not always just earthly it'll be heavenly you know yeah sorry i'm getting a little teary over here but <laughs> only because it's so sweet and tender 
that sometimes the miracles we pray for, and it was the same with me and my children being diagnosed with autism. I knew God could heal them, right? Yeah. And and sometimes that miracle is the peace. Yes. And um, it's not always immediate. It's almost like it takes a little bit of time for us to swallow the bitter pill. (laughs) You know, Jesus talks about drinking the bitter cup. Um, um, Sometimes we have to drink that bitter cup and it's not fun and it's not easy, but the peace comes. Yes. And the hope, like you said, our hope isn't always for things on this earth. Maybe the sight will not come on this earth but the sight will come in heaven. That's right. And for me, that is the same hope that I have is that someday in heaven, I'll be able to talk to my son with autism and have a conversation with him that I can't have now. We can communicate in just little words and phrases here and there, but to really talk to him, think, see what he's thinking, what he's, you know, all those things. So that hope sometimes when the miracle doesn't come here on earth, the, the hope is for that miracle to happen in heaven and to have the peace now to endure whatever we're, we're having to go through, right? Right. And, and I call it a knowing hope. Ooh. We know it will, it's a hope that will come true. You know, not just hope, 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 you know, but it's a knowing hope that, you know, my husband doesn't have, he can see, he doesn't have to go through dialysis anymore. He loved to question everything about God and the Bible. And all his questions are being answered. Uh, <laughs> so, and he passed away how long ago? Uh, it'll be five years in the fall. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you have that hope that he is now getting all his answers, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Because <laughs> he also loved to debate and it's like, oh, it's so simple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting that, that each of us have, has different gifts and some people have just that gift to believe. And some people like your husband probably like to debate it out. And, and how yeah. does this work? It doesn't fall as easily into their minds. Some people have that gift of faith and yeah. some people, you know, battle with it a little bit, you know? And he did. He did. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> but, but he was able to fill peace with the diagnosis. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, it, it took a while, but he was, and, and he, um, you know, it says to you find joy in your affliction and he did. He had great joy and people enjoyed being around him um, because he, he loved to tell jokes. He loved to keep up with current events. He loved to argue about politics and which I became tired of, but <laughs> I'm not a political person. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he, um, he really did enjoy his life, even though he was blind. So, so I guess that's another lesson that we can pull from this is that even though a hard thing may come into your life, whether it be blindness or a disability of some other kind, um, health challenges, that you can still find things that interest you or that 
that bring you joy. Absolutely. You may have to get a little creative. (laughs) Yes, you do. You really do have to be creative. And, and people say, well, I, I can't create. Well, I'll tell you something. I worked all my life. I never wrote until I retired. I never made jewelry until I retired. And it's like, wow, I never knew I could do this. Mm. So, you know, that is not an excuse. You just have to try, try, and try again. Mm. You know? Yeah. So don't give up on yourself. Keep looking and find unique gifts that maybe you just haven't discovered yet. True. And you're never too old to find them, right? (laughs) (laughs) For sure. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more lessons, tips, and things you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. Hey, my friends, it's Tamara K. Anderson, and I need your help. I am gearing up for a wonderful Christmas season this year, and I need your stories to be part of it. I'm launching a new part on my podcast that I'm going to start doing every holiday season called Holiday Stories of Hope. And so I would love to hear your stories that you and your family have had happen to you during the holidays that have inspired hope in Christ, hope in your family, stories that perhaps you've passed down for generations, or perhaps it's something that's happened to you personally. So if you have a story you would love to share, if you wouldn't mind coming on a Zoom call with me and recording it, we can do it in 5, 10, 15 minutes. And then I will be sharing that this November and December with my audience so that we can all be inspired by your story of hope. If you're interested, go to my website, TamaraKAnderson.com and go to contact me and reach out to me that way and we'll get something set up. All right, guys, thanks for being such great supporters. And I look forward to sharing more of your stories of hope. And, and you know, the thing that um, caregivers have a hard time with is forgiving yourself. Forgive mm. yourself for your mistakes, you know, mm. because we are only human, you know, and, and we think that if we do something wrong in taking care of someone, it's the end of the world. It's not. It's just a mistake, you know. Mm. And you go on from there. Mm. I love that. And, and I'd love to dive into caregiving just a little bit more before we get to your book. And I do sure. want to get to your book. But um, you, caregiving, because it's 24 hours a day and super exhausting, you mentioned that before, you do find yourself getting worn out and you are going to make mistakes. And, and I'm in that same boat with our son with autism that he's with us 24 hours a day now that he has um, exited the school system. So I feel a little bit of this <laughs> in my daily journey. Let me ask you, did you find it important to get breaks? Yes. Like, did you ever, did you have set something up where people would come in and give you breaks so that you could go out and just, <sighs> Yes. And, and I was fortunate because when we were in Michigan, my daughter was there and her husband and her husband. And we also had a friend, a pastor friend that Will was very close to that was living close to us. So those people gave me breaks Mm. weekly. And when we were in Florida, 
we had friends that um, their husbands would come over and they would visit with Will or take him out, you know, because mm -hmm. he could go and they didn't mind taking Lily. Mm -hmm. One did. That was okay. <laughs> well, he was still a friend. He just didn't like dogs. But it's so important to have those breaks. You know, mm -hmm. it, you need that filling up again of um, just enjoying life. Because if you don't get them, then it becomes tiring. It becomes a job, which it should never, to me, should never be. It should be a um, something that you, well, like Will said, it's something that you love to do. Mm. Um, but it, but in, realistically, you do need those breaks. You, yeah. you absolutely do. And you need maybe overnight breaks. Mm -hmm. I know we had, my daughter and I used to go on trips you know overnight not for a week but you do need those breaks and you need to find someone like with your son that you can trust and feel at ease and and be constant and use them over and over and over again because mm. I do I mean that's I, I feel why I didn't feel it was a burden mm. Because you had a network of people yes. supporting you. Yes. And, and I think that's such an important key is to have and build that network, whether yeah. it be within your own family, whether it be within your church family. Um, and, and maybe if you can't find, you're not sure where to start, give it to God and say, God, I'm not sure who I need in my network right. to help me through this situation. Will you please help me find them? Right. Right. And then don't be, don't, don't feel like you have to do the whole thing all by yourself. Cause I think that's where we get into trouble, right? Yes. I just think in our society, there, there is a lot of that. I have to do it all by myself. I have to be strong. And I don't think God meant for it to be that way. No, because some of these burdens are too heavy to bear on our own. They are. They truly, truly are. You know, it, it's just like I, I looked at some trees that interlaced with each other the other day, their tree branches and how they help hold each other up. Mm. And that's how we are to be in our um, church and in our communities so that we don't just say, well, I'll pray for you, mm -hmm. but we get in there and we help and we network, you know, and, and we um, really support each other. Yeah. So that when the winds do come, they don't affect us and we're not blown over. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and it speaks to how much we need each other. And, and perhaps that's why COVID was so hard as we couldn't interact as much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I um, do. I do. And so I, it really speaks to how God set us up not to be an island, but to be able to interact with other people. We need each other. Absolutely, for sure. Our church even closed down for a short time. And um, so what I did, I, I went and I picked berries. Then I made jam. Then I gave it away. I picked peaches, made jam, and then gave it away to everybody so that I could have interaction with people. But you, from afar, you know. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so That's I know super I creative. I love that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I just had a very hard time being alone. Yeah, absolutely. And so God gave you the solution. Yes, and interesting, could. isn't it interesting that the solution was in service? Yes, but I, I feel that's what I'm here for, really, for service. You know, we have a group in Bellevue, Florida, that will help the poor. And they're called Bellevue Area Social Services. And they have, we have different activities where we help with um, electric bills. We help with whatever the needs are, because there are so many people that are just a couple of paychecks away from being homeless. And so we try and keep them so they're not homeless. And we're trying to um, get them into job training programs. So I, I guess the Lord has made my, these remaining years, a service uh, for him. And, mm -hmm. I, and I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, It is good to serve. And God blesses us when we serve others, yes. you know? And, and it's almost like he gives us like that extra measure of blessing of peace, even though you're now widowed, that he fills you with peace as you serve his children. Yes. Yes. And a purpose. You know, that was one of the hardest things after my husband died was, what am I going to do with the rest of my mm. life? Because my life before was always centered around him. And God gave me the answer. And it was service. You know, so I serve the church and I serve the poor. And I love that. It's a beautiful mission, Sharon. It really is. And um, I'm thankful that you were able to find that. So, so your advice to people who lose a spouse, whether through divorce or through death um, or lose a loved one and find themselves alone is find a mission and maybe it includes service. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, you don't have to ever be lonely if you reach out and help others find it very rewarding. I mean, and, and that sounds, I mean, it is selfish because it is rewarding to <laughs> uh, see the joy of others, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book that you've been working on these last couple of years, because not only have you been serving, but you've also rediscovered your passion with writing and you have written this amazing story. So tell me a little bit about Scaredy. Okay. Well, it, it seems like the Lord just keeps opening the doors for this book. I mean, I find it absolutely amazing because I never thought of writing it or pulling it out of the dust. And um, a friend of mine who is now deceased sent me an invitation to Richard Paul Evans' um, writer's retreat. And it was only a week away. I thought, well, I don't know if I could go or not. But then I my, my daughter encouraged me. My son-in-law got me the tickets. And I went, and I'll tell you, it was a joy. I mean, the people I met were just fantastic. And the total experience was awesome. And um, I now have a bunkhouse gang. <laughs> the girls that we bunked with. 
I wrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote after um, going there for a year. And I thought, well, I'm ready to be published. And, and Thea Rademacher was the publisher of this Flint Hills Publishing. And she'd um, advertise she's an attorney and she'll answer questions for a fee. So I called her up questions. So we started talking and talking and talking. And she said, I'm not going to charge you a fee. Send me your whole book. <laughs> she paired me with a new artist. And the artist was new. I was new. And so we emailed back and forth. I sent her my book to read, which I, I guess I wasn't really supposed to do. But she read it. She created these delightful characters in the book. And we became quite good friends with this. So on my website, you will see all the characters in the book. Well, then you have to help market the book. And this social media is such a challenge. Yes. A it's a real pain to me. <laughs> I had a friend, um, Denny, that taught me how to use Facebook. And I still am learning and make mistakes there. And then I have to earn, learn Instagram, which is just beyond me. I just, I don't get it. So Tasha Howe, one of um, the gals from the retreat, is doing posting for me. And she will be teaching me how to use it when I get to the retreat this year. Oh, how fun. But she is a, amazing at that. I had 50 followers. And she, in a week, has increased it to 90. Oh, wow. I know. I mean, it was just, it was just great. And so it just, you know, everything's just falling in line. Gary is about a 10 year old who is afraid of life. He is just afraid of everything. And uh, he has a friend, Billy, that helps him when um, two bullies go after him after school, when Billy's not in Taekwondo. But when he is, um, Rudy has to learn to run fast and he has to learn how to talk himself out of uh, these situations with these bullies trying to make him do things that he is so afraid to do. Well, Billy and Rudy decide to go fishing one day and they get lost and they end up into a new world called Lucere. And there is a problem in Lucere where that a uh, wizard has changed the thinking of the people that evil is good and good is evil. Mm. And so they are going to help um, overcome the wizard and overcome his fear. And they have many adventures as they try to complete this task. That is wonderful. And then he comes, does he come back and then defeat his bullies? <laughs> He does. He absolutely <laughs> does. And they are just shocked. <laughs> and he does it without Billy's help. <laughs> wow. So. I love this. And, and it's a needed story for today's youth because we all face our fears. Yes. Uh, just uh, you're a perfect example of that. You faced many fears in your life. Yes. But I think it's powerful that you've given young children this opportunity to figure out how to do that in the form of a story, right? Right, and, and the reason I use fantasy is because children's 
op they're open to fantasy at, at a young age and they have their own imaginations and they can relate to some of the things in the book. But fantasy and imagination, if they're developed later in life, they help you to problem solve. And I truly believe that is very important because as we grow older, we have to problem solve and use our imagination, you know, sometimes start out really with wild ideas and then bring them down to more realistic ideas. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, I, I really love that. And, and your life is almost a mirror of the, that. Do you know what I mean? That you've had to learn to problem solve uh, with your husband's challenges and, and you've done it with faith and with grace and with hope, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, well, Sharon, this is so exciting. So tell me, where can we buy copies of Scaredy? Okay. You'll be able to buy them on Amazon and in many bookstores that, that will carry them. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And where can we find you and your website? Okay, my website is SharonLanoAuthor.com. Wonderful. And we will be sure to link all these things in the show notes so okay. that people can find you, they can find your book. Well, Sharon, this has been such a joy to have you on the show today. Thank you for diving into your story, sharing with us your moments of grief, and yet how you were able to find peace and joy and hope, and then use that hope to make a difference in the world. Well, I just thank you. I am grateful to be part of your podcast because you help a lot of people. And I hope maybe this will help a couple. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.